With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Audio in one year. Is that normal? Good morning. Uh, Trudy Claussen here. Good morning. Uh, I've got, I'm very happy to have uh, three guests with me. I've got Bruce Kidd on the phone. Good morning, Bruce. Morning. And Cameron Stoltz and Chris Stern in studio. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, morning. George. All right. So I, I was like, okay, I've got three people sort of from different areas of, of, uh, work and, and, uh, interest in the city. And, um, and two of them, Cameron Stoltz and Chris Stern are both, uh, city council candidates. Um, and, and then Bruce, uh, has, is a long-term, I mean, just like these other gentlemen, uh, long-term resident and, and leader and, and, uh, business owner and etc in the city um so maybe maybe what i should do then is um and, and what we're going to be talking about today is basically is about growing our city and what we need to actually grow our city and and that's why i think it's it's unique to have these two these three uh unique gentlemen uh on on the air talking about this so let's begin with chris chris what do you um what is your interest in the topic and what's your background uh before you ran for city council, um, but what's your what's your sort of background in the city? Uh, I worked for the city in um, for quite a few years, twenty five years in total. I uh, worked in every department. Most of my time was spent in water sewer, doing the water lines, sewer lines, storm lines, any of that maintenance, and uh, worked at city hall as a building inspector. And yeah, been around for a while. Um, graduated Prince George and uh, lived most of my life here. Okay. All right, Cameron. Wow, what? I feel like I'm back on the campaign trail again. <laughs> uh, so I'm a small business owner here in Prince George. I have a, a few businesses here. Uh, one is uh, Great White, the hobby and toy store up in Spruce Land Mall. There's my free plug for CFIS. Thank you very much. Uh, the second one is a painting company. We do commercial and industrial painting. Uh, that's IC Expert Painting. I have that with a business partner. And then the third one I have is Catlin Enterprises that does uh, some small lot development um, here in town. And... Uh, yeah, I've also served as two, for two terms as city on city council. Okay. That was a few terms ago, but th- there it is. Okay, and Bruce, what's your history here in Prince George? I came here uh, after I graduated in Williams Lake. Uh, I have uh, a couple businesses here, multiple businesses, uh, most notably the a few Husky gas stations and KG Corner stores. We also have a building supply store in the heart. And uh, a construction company uh, builds residential homes, commercial, and some lot development here in Prince George. Okay, well, welcome all three. So maybe let's start with Bruce. Bruce, when you hear someone talking about growing our city, and I know in the recent, I mean, our new mayor uh, has is certainly talking a lot about the need to grow our city to actually fit our footprint. Um, what what are the first things that come to your mind that we need to be looking at? So I think the first thing I should say is that I'm not going to be running for city council anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so we can get that off the table right away. I'm not that kind of guy. But, um, yeah, what do, what do we need in Prince George to grow? Um, you know, we need to make Prince George more of more of a hub. And um, we're there already. But I think if you look uh, over to our neighbors, you know, to the, uh, to the west, uh, Alberta, and you look at Edmonton, I think uh, – Prince George has a lot of the same things that Edmonton has, but um, what we don't have is uh, a way to get there. And it seems that uh, our city council has 
you know, slow down development, uh, city council, city staff, whatever you want to say. But uh, if anybody has been in the development game and trying to get things passed through the city, they, they know the pain. And you talk to any business that's looking at growing here in Prince George, and they'll all tell you the same thing. It's, it's painful to get a project through to building permit through the city. And whatever that is, whether it's uh, planning, whether it's uh, infrastructure, I have my own personal takes on, on what seems to slow things down, but it's definitely too long. And it'd be nice to um, have uh, Mayor, Mayor uh, Yu and his ideas on how things are going to get streamlined, and I'd like to see those, those come to fruition. But, um, you know, that's been a lot of the, the, the hiccups for the biggest one. And, and that pisses off a lot of developers. So they come to town, they, uh, you know, they want to develop here, or they want to, you know, want to grow something, and then they start, and then they realize the process is taking too long, and it could be two, three, sometimes four years before, uh, you know, they, they can get a green light on a project, and that's just too long, right? I've, yeah, that's an awful lot of what I heard on the campaign trail. And uh, um, so what do you... Um, so one one thing that I've heard, Bruce, and I'll let you finish this or let you answer this before I go on to our other guests, um, is that one thing that, that the previous council had been sort of operating under was that business needs to see a unified council in order to want to come to Prince George. And what you've just said had nothing of that in it. Do you think that's a that's an issue? Like, is it all about you know council at the council meetings appearing unified, or is it more? No. Is it the practical aspect of getting a development approved? It's the bureaucracy behind everything else, right? So the council is just you know you know the, the council is obviously important, but ultimately what runs the city is the the bureaucrats and the city managers and and everything else, right? And it. And I think I think for the longest point of time, and I don't know if it's really changed now, but you know, infrastructure, we're all about fixing items that are you know need to be need to be fixed rather than thinking about development. We should be ha- we should have the city should have a development first kind of priority because every time there's a new development and every time there's a new lot created, that's a new revenue stream for the city in perpetuity. So every time you create a new lot. That's another three or four thousand dollars that that city's going to get forever, right? And and so they should be rolling out the red carpet for developers. They should be like, you know, the developers should have them on speed dial, and they should be answering their calls. But instead, what they do is they put up roadblocks and roadblocks. Oh, we can't build there because you know you know we need more of this and we need more of this, and and it, and it just slows everything down. They they should already know where they should be able to build because they know where their infrastructure is. Nope. Okay, well, that's okay. Thank you. Um, Chris, what do you think the city needs to grow? Um, with Bruce, uh, again, it's been a while since I've worked in City Hall, but when I worked there, we would purposely hold back applications and, and building permits. Uh, when I was a plan checker, I would uh, do it, take me three, four hours to do uh, a plan check for a home. And uh, it would come in that day. I'd get it done that day, and I was told to sit on it for a week or two before we released it. So that's a common practice, and uh, that's why I left the building department is because it was too many politics in there, and um, yeah, they it just it was hard to do business. So I, I left the highest paying job in the city to bid down to go somewhere else because of how it was run. 
So, I mean, what do you think was the incentive or what, what, what do you think was motivating that aspect, that, that attitude? I was told that if we get a building permit done in one day, they'll expect it every time. So to, as a normal, to delay it two weeks. <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, it was just okay. mind-blowing, like, dumb. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, that's so, odd. so there's problems. Absolutely. That, that's odd. Hmm. Okay. So you would agree then with Bruce? It's the, what we need to grow the city is improvements on how we provide the services of the second floor, yeah, like the I, development I, and permitting. An example: I'm in the civil business myself. We still do water sewer. We're working at the Great West Building up there on Boundary Road. And we started construction before we had our permit. It was taking that long. Hmm. We, we knew what we had. We knew what was kind of allowed. So we actually started construction without the proper permits yet. Hmm. It just, it, again, it is mind-blowing slow. It doesn't have to be. Why? Again, it's politics at City Hall. So, I mean, I've heard, um, I think on the island, was it Nanaimo that had said that we want a minimum wait period or like not wait period, but a, a maximum. They had a, they developed a system where you, you have to get your building permit approved within a certain amount of time. Like it, like they've really cut down on the amount of time required. Is that something you think that would work? Uh, well, a single home building permit can go through that office in four hours. That's uh-huh. all it takes. I don't know what they do nowadays, okay. but, uh, you know, four hours is a long time. Like, I, I can do it in two. So, like, is that any home or is that just the standard home? Like, like would, a, would a special home... A special home, four hours max. Really? A normal home, two hours. Okay. That's all the time for the plan checker to go through and say it's okay. And then... The office staff have to enter it and produce a permit, which again is not going to take days. So, do you think it's this is a situation a little bit like when you go to a doctor's office? Some doctors manage to have their patients come, and within five minutes they're sitting in in the uh, in the uh, whatever the examination room. And some doctors' offices, you always have to wait like forty five minutes. Do you think it's a bit of like it's actually just a a simple planning problem that? No, they're purposely holding back and delaying in politics. Golly. Okay. From when I was there. From I don't you know were there. what All they're right. doing now, but I still have the same problems. When I take out a plumbing permit, it's like pulling teeth to get someone there to get a proper inspection. And yeah, I'll just leave it there. Okay. All right. Okay. Cameron, what does the city need for to grow? I mean, uh, yeah. So there's a number of things I think we need for, from the city to be able to grow our our, our city and grow, grow our population base. We've already seen some of that happening with the the expansion of uh, multifamily residential sites that have been coming online. Um, I think we're way under service there. You can tell that there's a huge demand. Just try talking to someone who's moved to Prince George and ask them how easy it's been for them to find a place where they can live, especially if they have kids or pets. Um, there's there's a definite shortage of residential space. Um, and the other challenge with that is is affordable rental space. Um, so currently, I've, uh, my, my painting company, I'm employing two Ukrainians that, that we've hired. 
um, that have immigrated here, and both of them have encountered the same problems. They've had host families, been wonderful to help them get started and get settled, but from there they're looking for where can they move into that they can afford, and they're making good money as painters. Um, uh, you know, that's a that's a good trade. You make great money, so there's a plug for anybody interested in getting into a trade that, you know, is, is a skill you can learn on the job. Uh, but when they're going out to look for somewhere to rent, uh, they're literally looking at Alpine Village as their, their starting point because that's about all that they can find that's available that's in their price range because they're still trying to save money to get more family members out. Um, so there's some real challenges around that. Now, the question becomes then, how do you have affordable housing? Um, we have an opportunity with the official community plan being reviewed here this year with the city. That's going to be a year-long process as the city grinds through that consultation period. It'll be interesting to see what they take out of it. As always, it comes down to what the city staff want to see at the end result. Um, unless there's an overwhelming presence of people saying the same thing, you can pretty much draw anything you want out of a consultation process. That's me being a little bit cynical over the years. Um, but if they say we want to have more affordable housing, well, it starts with a couple of basic things. First off, it means you have an affordable lot. And affordable lots means maybe we're building subdivisions differently than what we've been building them in the past. City Hall needs to stop looking at this unified um, single-family million-dollar house lots that are being built now. Um, sorry, the lots are you know in the one fifty to two hundred thousand range and only going up by the cost of inflation. Um, as I'm sure Chris can tell you, the, the price of pipes in the ground has gone up astronomically. To get a lot service now, it's gone from uh, when I started doing the smallest lot subdivision, it was about two thousand dollars a meter for all your services, curbs, gutters, sidewalks, paved roads, all in. Um, then it hit 3000 I think right now with the inflation, we're sitting right now at about almost $4,000 a meter. Um, so that means you need to look at small lot, small small frontage lots. You need to look at uh, more densification within subdivisions. There should be multifamily mixed in everywhere. It shouldn't be just on the corners or on the edges because it's close to you know, a transit hub. Why can't you have more duplexes or fourplexes mixed into your subdivision? If it's mixed in across the entire subdivision, you don't notice that it becomes just more affordable living space. Hmm. Um, then the other question becomes, you know, looking at where we can build multifamily. Currently, the OCP states that you can't build um, any six-story or sorry, anything above four stories outside of the uh, Queensway and downtown core. That, that just doesn't make sense. There should be more areas where we're allowing taller multifamily uh, structures being built. Um, I, I get the city's concerned about it needs to be on a transit hub, but surely to God we can change where a transit hub is or where a bus stop is so that it includes more people. I, I, I agree with you there because I think, I mean, my understanding is buses have wheels. No way, really? Is that new? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, I think I was singing that song to my two-year-old uh, niece not too long ago. The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I want to get back on that. Like, We'll get back to that uh, topic just about uh, development and, and the kind of uh, development that we need to have um, after our break. And I'll, we'll be back. To, I'm talking with Bruce Kidd, Chris Stern, and Cameron Stoltz. Tune in on Sunday mornings at 8.30 for a Let the Bible Speak radio broadcast. This is Pastor Andrew Simpson. And each week on our program, we will hear Christ Jesus being preached, gospel hymns being sung, and encouraging news from our churches in British Columbia. Our goal at Let the Bible Speak is to preach Christ in all his fullness, to man in all his need. So tune in on Sunday mornings at 8.30 for our Let the Bible Speak only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hungry? 
Looking for something good to eat? Well, pop on by Boston Pizza and try their new feature menu, where jalapeno popper dip is back by popular demand, along with the many tasty new items. As always, Boston Pizza offers medium and large pizzas. Buy one, get one, 50% off for takeout or delivery. And don't forget their happy hour runs in-store from 3 to 6 and 9 to closing daily. Give Boston Pizza a show today at either location, Spruceland or Brookwood, for any of your snacking needs. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today, a 30% chance of flurries this morning, a clearing this afternoon. Wind at 15K, a high of minus 5 with a morning wind chill to minus 15. A few clouds tonight with increasing cloudiness near midnight, wind becoming southeast 20 gusts into 40 overnight, a low of minus 6 with a wind chill to minus 13. For Friday, mainly cloudy, wind becoming light near noon, a high of 0 with a morning wind chill to minus 11. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, so we were <clears throat> just talking about, um, like, Cameron's point about uh, um, with that we need more housing, that we need more affordable housing in order to grow. And then um, just talking about the infrastructure, Chris, what do you, like, uh, Cameron was throwing around some numbers about the cost of uh, of putting pipe in the ground. Um, is that something, I mean, I'm... I mean, I know that that hugely increases the cost of everything. I'm not sure what the cost per meter is nowadays, but stuff's getting expensive. Just look at fuel. My fuel last year on a monthly basis was around $3,000. My monthly fuel bill now is $9,000. Wow. So we've gone up that much over the year. I'm still doing the same amount of work, but the costs are going up. So, I mean, that's part of the reason then that... that the we have such an affordability problem is because the costs for everything well part of the affordability problem comes to like you look at these new homes they got granite countertops they got all the bells and whistles people we don't need that you know we don't even need a curb and gutter what happened with gravel roads you can save a lot of money putting in small subdivisions with just a gravel road and ditch but they don't do that anymore because we have to keep up with the Joneses, yada, yada, yada. And um, we can greatly reduce our home costs if we be practical. Again, we don't need fancy roofs with five different peaks on it. Just a straight box, straight roof. Um, an example is mobile home parks. You know, Why don't we see any of those going in anymore? Um, or a smaller scenario like that with smaller homes you know Mm -hmm. just we don't need curb and gutter just make things affordable again Mm -hmm. but we always have to keep up with the joneses have the nice cars have the nice sidewalks and it's not a necessity as far as i'm concerned for you know we need to get homes my kids for example don't have a chance we're going to the bank here soon and we're taking out money out of my retirement to get them started. Yeah. Because they, they can't do it otherwise. The homes are just too expensive and out of reach. So Bruce, what do you think is the way to, um, so let's say that as a city, we, you know, we maybe we can deal with some of our, um, developing and permitting issues in order to, to facilitate more growth. What do you think about, about multifamily housing units in, 
um, as part of the solution in maybe what, what traditionally we've considered single-family housing? Well, absolutely. So, you know, the problem, you know, the, to speak on some of the things that Chris is talking about, like mobile homes, well, you're not seeing a lot of mobile homes because they don't have a secondary suite. Um, so typically with new housing, every house I build now has to have a secondary suite because you can't you can't cash flow a, a new house without that extra income. So that's why you're not seeing smaller houses, um, and that's why you're not seeing uh, you, everything that's being built now typically has a secondary suite. Hmm. Um, so so one of the things that the city council can do to city council and city staff could do to increase the affordability is the building code allows for secondary suites in duplexes and townhouses, but the city of Prince George doesn't. Um, you know, a number of cities in the okay, province... Wait, 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 wait. So the provincial building code? Correct. The provincial I'm... building code allows secondary suites in duplexes and townhouses, um, and a number of cities in the, in, the, in the province, so I think there's about, the last time I looked, there was about 15 cities in the, in the province that allow secondary suites in duplexes and townhouses. Our city doesn't, um, for whatever reason. That would be one way of bringing the cost down, because every townhouse that you build could now have a secondary suite, which would help with the, the housing, huh. as well as the entry-level um, the entry level house. Because typically your entry-level buyer, a house or a, t- or a duplex or a townhouse, will be about hundred dollars to $150,000 cheaper than a standalone house. Because they share a lot of the components, and then if they are allowed to rent out a, second, a secondary suite, it, it, my goodness! Well, I didn't didn't know that, Cameron. What do you? What do you? I mean, you were nodding your head here. Um, do you think that that would be part of the solution? So right now we have a lot of illegal suites going in into houses, and the challenge with that is is they aren't being built built according to code. Um, I have to laugh. My daughter's living in one right now, and, and I walk in, and I'm looking at the electrical, and they have junction boxes up inside of a ce- ceiling uh, with T-bar ceiling. The only reason you know the junction box is there, so it's a hidden junction box, which is not allowable according to code. And um, uh, the only reason you know it's there is because she's moved the ceiling panel because the vent wasn't working properly, trying to figure out why the vent wasn't working, and that's because the vent wasn't vented outside. So all sorts of things where people have built things, Jerry rigged it, you know, whatever, but they've just kind of slammed stuff in there and it's not being built properly. And that's, uh, that's a potential safety hazard for those people living in those suites. Huh. So, I mean, so what do we do? So, I mean, let's, let's talk a little bit about the illegal suites. What is the solution? I mean, have you thought about this? Like, I mean, do we just offer an amnesty? Well, the challenge with illegal suites is, is I like Bruce's point. You need to uh, have it so you're allowed to have them in the first place. So that way when builders are building, they can just say, yes, I'm putting a suite down there. And that way when the houses are being built or the townhouses or the duplexes, uh, the building inspectors can then say, yep, that's, that's built according to code. Yep, you can have a suite there. You're good to go. A problem with the second suites too then is um, your utility bills. So you have double the laundry yes double the water which our houses aren't water metered unless it's voluntary right i think the new ones are all all new houses have to be water metered yes but we have the old ones that don't so so there's a concern there from utility operations that we're putting more demand on the system and we're not getting paid for it so i know there's a concern there okay Hmm. so bruce what so you know yeah you could go like vancouver um you know like so what you're seeing now is because the newer houses, um, even with one suite, 
Um, you still can't cash flow a typical in your house. So a lot of people are putting in a third suite as an illegal suite. Um, and but I mean, even in Vancouver, they're allowing three or four suites in a, in a regular house. So I mean, I think that's probably where we're going to go. You can't really lower the cost of a house. You can't go with no curbs and gutters. That's just not even possible. That's a city standard. And you can't lower the cost of construction. So the only the only uh, the only thing is, is you need to castle. You need to have more revenue stream for the house to make it work. Um, so I think this is probably where we're going. So Cameron, yep. Uh, I was just going to say, so the next thing, just looking at uh, growing our city, one of the other things we could be looking at for growing our city is uh, what's been driving our growth for the last uh, three years where we've seen this, or four years, I guess, we've seen this tremendous building boom in multifamily. It's been all the people that have been working at Site C on the pipeline. Uh, they want to live close to where they're working, and, and they've chosen to move here to Prince George. We've got university students that are staying around in Prince George and retirement people that aren't leaving. So we've got some natural growth there happening already. But if we want to see some serious growth that would help our city, um, what we need to do is grow our tax base. And the easiest way to do, grow our tax base is through the highest taxed uh, item that we have in the city, and that's heavy industrial use. So there's an opportunity for us uh, with something called Heart North, north of Prince George, for us to look at developing a heavy industrial site. Um, there's an opportunity there. And if we did that, that would have a significant impact for the city and cause some significant growth. All right. So I'm going to pick up on that once we get back from our break, uh, talking with Cameron Stoltz, Chris Stern, and, and Bruce Kidd about uh, uh, growing our city here in Prince George. The time has come to again salute the haggis. Celebrate Scotland's greatest poet with Scotch-tasting haggis and more on Robbie Burns Night, Saturday, January 21st. Tickets for this Prince George Symphony Orchestra fundraiser are now available and will be an excellent gift to start the new year for yourself or the Scots lover you know. Robbie Burns Night with your Prince George Symphony Orchestra, January 21st at the Prestige Treasure Cove Resort. Tickets available at Studio 2880 and through pgso.com. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982, Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and there are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erladen to Patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. In Prince George, DDR2 Computer Solutions is your first stop for sales, service, and repairs. Located just off Queensway at 857 2nd Avenue next to MetaChair, DDR2 can keep your business or home system running at peak performance. Their in-shop and on-site rates are competitive, so you receive quality service at an affordable price, plus there's a special rate for seniors. They also carry top-of-the-line laptops, motherboards, and graphics cards for high-end gaming. When you think of computers, think of DDR2. Call 236-423-2216. That's 236-423-2216. Indoor public skating season is on through the end of March. Sessions are held at the Elk Centre on Fridays and Sundays, Copar Memorial Arena on Saturdays and Sundays, and at one of those two arenas on select school break days and holidays. Pricing and specific scheduling details are available through the North Edge Ice Sports website at thenorthedge.co. Indoor public skating sessions are a partnered presentation of the North Edge Ice Sports and the City of Prince George. 
You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, Trudy Clausen here talking with uh, Cameron Stoltz, Bruce Kidd, and Chris Stern about growing our city. And we just, Cameron, you just began to talk about uh, the potential in Prince George and uh, talking about in growing our tax base. And can you first explain what that means for those of us that don't quite get it? So every year the cost of operating the city goes up just like it does for your house. Um, your heating costs go up, your your food costs go up, your maintenance costs go up. Uh, it's the same thing with the city of Prince George. Uh, the basket of goods the city buys are significantly different from a normal household, though, so those costs go up a lot more than they do for a, a household. We've seen in the last year the cost of paving has gone up by 21%. So that means if uh, City Council keeps the budget where it is for paving as it currently is, that means for road rehabilitation, we're actually paving 21% less roads this year um, as a starting point. So the way you fix that is, or one of the ways to fix that is by growing your tax base. So you have something other than just the regular taxpayers paying the bill. And uh, the best way to do that is, uh, what's sorry, what the current council's been doing is expanding the uh, multifamily base that's been approved there and some new subdivisions. But really, if you want significant tax growth, you're looking at heavy industrial use. But nobody wants heavy industrial. And that's one of the problems. One of the biggest challenges with business, whether it's you know a developer, whether it's a builder, it comes down to certainty at City Hall. And right now, there is no certainty when you go in with a project. Um, good luck trying to get anything improved inside, inside of city limits uh, for heavy industrial, uh, unless you're a hydrogen producing thing and you're producing it with electricity. Um, you're not going to be able to get past the front door. So we need to look at changing where we're doing our heavy industrial, and which is possible at something a location called Hart North. The regional district is flagged as being an ideal spot. They've done some OCP work for the regional district up there. Uh, they've got some so initial plans. Wh- what for is it. the area? It's called Hart North. It's just, uh, if you know where uh, Hubble Homestead is, it's literally across the street from Hubble Homestead. It's serviced by a natural gas line, a hydro line. It's got a substation there. Uh, rail runs by it, uh, major highway, and we've got natural gas there as well. Okay, but there is a little strip of land that's in the ALR that needs to be reclassified. Um, actually, the majority of majority of, or the large section of it has already been pulled out of the ALR and has been uh, designated for heavy industrial use up there. But but again, it's not at the build ready stage. There's still a lot of uncertainty around that area that needs to be dealt with. So that that's one possibility. Um, but we need to expand our tax base, and the best way to do that is through business, attracting and retaining new businesses. So. Um so Bruce, what do you think about that? Is that is that where one area that I mean I know that you you are currently building homes and and as well as doing other business. Um do you think there is an opportunity to expand our tax base? Absolutely. Like 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 I said before, if you use Edmonton as an example, the reason that they were fairly successful is they uh, they have a large industrial uh component around the city and um that's what we're lacking here. Um, you know, you had some great opportunities with the petrochemical plant and a few other things that were, were approached here. And, you know, they were pretty much immediately shot down by whatever group. And what I think what we need to do as a city, now, this is, this is a great area. Unfortunately, it's not in the city, so it probably wouldn't increase the city tax base, but it would increase the regional tax base, is we need to set aside areas for these types of developments. Um, so if we can't find them in the city, then maybe we need to grow the city um, the city, uh, you know, extend the city to some of these areas where we could incorporate some of these areas and put in some of the infrastructure 
um, so that we can attract some of those larger commercial businesses. But you're right. Um, Cameron's absolutely right. That's the, that's the biggest way to grow our tax base. In perpetuity, you know, that would, that would cover us for years to go, right? And, and not only that, bring in some, some, some employees that would obviously uh, work at those locations. So one thing that I've always thought that you were particularly good at, Bruce, was um, your sense of the public public sentiment. Where do you think we are in terms of, um, like, are are people prepared to be, to maybe reconsider uh, things like the petrochemical plant? Do you think that the the needle on that in public sentiment has changed at all? I think you've you've always got a component of the population. That are that are more than happy to have that, and you know, I think you know I talked to probably seventy five percent of the people I talked to were in favor of the petrochemical. But the problem is, is that those people don't typically have a voice because they're like your regular folk that are out there working, and they don't typically, you know, stand up and say, "Yeah, we want a petrochemical plant." You know, the, the people that stand up and and are, have a voice are the people that are usually against it, and uh, and they have a voice, and it's typically with any development as well. Um, that it's always, you know, bad, or oh, you're tearing down my trees, or you're turning my my lot, you know, my yard, you know, my view. And the bottom line is, it in order to better the whole community, sometimes there has to be some sacrifices, and, and this is one of them, right? Yeah, okay. All right, Chris, what do you think is, like, for developing our tax base and building it? Uh, heavy industrial is the only way that we can get out of this mess. Uh, we have Boundary Road there, that big stretch, and it's basically vacant, has been for years. So we need- and that's okay. Boundary Road, that is the area there by by the airport. By the airport, so between the jail and the airport, sort of, right? Yeah. Okay. The pipes are in. All the infrastructure is in. Water, sewer, storm, power. It's all there. It's just trying to get these developers. And, and we lost a lot of people over the years. You know, like Coca Cola, they moved out of town. Dairyland moved out of town. Everything's trucked in nowadays. Um, we might be able to get some more warehousing in for that center, you know, Ritchie Brothers, they left town too, right? They, all these big businesses don't seem to, I don't know if they make a profit or, or what their reason for leaving is, but it hurts us in northern BC. And not only the infrastructure we have now, um, which all the contractors, but it doesn't cost the city anything to put in this new infrastructure. It's all built by, you know, the developer. Uh, the biggest thing hurt in the city now is the old stuff that's aged and again we need money for that and there's no money to replace these pipes you know we it's good to build new but we can't forget about the old okay so from your understanding then chris when um like when a developer builds a building like like they have to pay to put the 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 cost of the plum of the pipes in right yep but on an old building, is that covered under utility costs? Uh, the old building comes out of the utility budget. So uh, right now I have a lot of problems uh, being a contractor with uh, the sewer service to the house being blocked. It's not by the homeowner. It's by the roots on the city side. And the city's trying to deflect all that cost to the homeowner, and it's not the homeowner's responsibility to maintain. We can't fix those pipes. I actually threaten... I got my excavators, they were coming, we're going to dig up the road because the city wasn't going to do nothing about it. There was a big war that day. They were calling me names and other stuff. And I says, well, are you going to fix this or not? He says, no. He says, well, I'm going to dig it and I'm going to fix it and tell you guys. So just as a point, you know, I stress that you guys have to stop doing this because they are deflecting the costs back to the homeowners. Again, it's not the homeowner's infrastructure. 
the city has a lot of problems it needs to fix. Again, that's out of the budget we have now. The new infrastructure, all that stuff is not in our budget, doesn't cost us a cent. It's developers. We right. need to get those developers signed on and, to and, build. And so that's where it goes back to we do need to increase our tax base. So and To so, pay for the old stuff, to, even. <laughs> to pay for the old stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, you know what? We're going to take a break, and we'll be back talking a little bit more about the infrastructure. Volunteer Prince George is a local resource for volunteering or finding volunteers in our city. Volunteer Prince George BC is now producing a newsletter to highlight these opportunities. The latest edition features the Prince George MS Peer Support Group. They are seeking volunteers to participate in or organize awareness and fundraising events. To help improve the lives of community members living with MS, email sstybrani at shaw.ca or call 250 250- Six four zero zero five five seven. Cheer on world-class athletes during the 2023 Nordic Canada Selection Trials and Nordic Cup at the Caledonia Nordic Ski Centre. From January 18th to 21st, Canada's best cross-country skiers are in Prince George to compete to earn a coveted spot on one of Nordic Canada's World Championship teams. The top athletes will represent Team Canada at the Nordic World Ski Championships. International athletes will also be on site training and joining in the action to add world class competition to the races. Learn more at caledonianordic.com. Join PGSO Music Director Michael Hall and the rest of your Prince George Symphony Orchestra for a multimedia exploration of Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony, Saturday, February 4th at Vanier Hall. Sponsored by Dick Law, experience this timeless classic in a brand new way. The evening will also include the overture to the Creatures of Prometheus. Tickets are available at the Symphony office and through pgso.com. It's Discovery, Beethoven's 6th, 7.30, Saturday, February 4th at Vanier Hall from your Prince George Symphony Orchestra. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today, a 30% chance of flurries this morning, a clearing this afternoon. Wind up to 15K, a high of minus 5 with a morning wind chill to minus 15. A few clouds tonight with increasing cloudiness near midnight, wind becoming southeast 20 gusts into 40 overnight, a low of minus 6 with a wind chill to minus 13. For Friday, mainly cloudy, wind becoming light near noon, a high of 0 with a morning wind chill to minus 11. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, Trudy Clausen back here with Cameron Stoltz, Bruce Kidd, and Chris Stern talking about growing our city and just touching briefly on, um, or we were, we left off talking about, I think it was, infrastructure. Um, Cameron, you had something to say on that, didn't you? You were writing a note? Uh, actually, just going back, so... You're talking about about growing our city. Yes. And I go back to if you want to grow your city, it needs to be an affordable choice to live. Uh, We have people that we're seeing transitioning from Vancouver to the lower lower mainland where the cost of housing has priced themselves out of the market where, um, like Chris says, they can't even afford to help their kids out because they haven't finished paying for their house yet. So if we go back to how do we keep our our houses affordable, I go back to there's things the city can do. The basics is keeping your lot costs che- uh, cheaper or, or more more price conscious. And one of the challenges there is sometimes city council does things of best intentions without realizing the costs associated with it. So recently we had a group of students from UNBC come down and do a presentation to city council. And they talked about the fact that they wanted more trees in the city and we needed to have more trees. 
and they talked about two aspects. One is they wanted uh, developers to stop cutting down all the trees in new subdivisions and doing the clear cut. And then the second piece is they wanted to make sure that every house had to have uh, new trees planted. And then the third thing is they wanted to have a bylaw in place that was being enforced that says you can't cut down a tree. Without with, a permit. Without a permit. So there's things, those three things all add significant cost to a new lot. The reason why the subdivisions are clear-cut when they're being built is because City Hall requires that. They want every lot graded the right way so the water runs to the storm drain and doesn't go into your neighbor's yard because they don't want to get sued later on or have problems later on because your neighbor's yard is draining into yours and flooding your basement every year. So they want to have the yards uh, the yards all uh, graded properly. The second challenge around that is um, if you want them to then replant trees, well, there's an additional cost you're now forcing on the homeowners because every one of those trees that gets planted, that cost of that gets passed on to the homeowner. And then the third problem you run into is saying that we can't cut trees in your yard. Well, in almost every yard outside of a new subdivision, you have trees already. Now, some of them, if you look at this, the type of city we are and how big we are, we're, I forget exactly what it is, I think we're 23 times the size of Victoria. Um, you go to most of these yards that are outside of the uh, new constructed areas, and you have acre, half acre, quarter acre yards that have a lot of trees on them. And you want to subdivide that and put a second lot in. We've seen that up in... Um, uh, Chirella Gardens, where they're they're putting in second lots and subdividing them. Well, if you're going to charge them to cut down the trees to put in the second lot, again, you're driving the cost of the lot up. So it's good intentions, but just understand that there's significant costs associated to those good intentions. So, um, Bruce, I'll go to you. Like, how do you how do we solve that dilemma of? I mean, for one thing, I mean, the university students had done quite a bit of research. People want green space. They want or they. They say they want uh, trees and they want an urban forest. How do you balance that against, like, how as a developer you can't? How do you build affordable housing if you've got all those additional costs? Or, but also at the same time, having a desirable place to live. First of all, you can't build affordable housing without some kinds of subsidy, right? So I mean, it's just not possible. We probably build one of the most efficient houses that you have on the market. And the only way you, you can't build any more efficient of a house unless you build uh, multi houses like townhouses, duplexes, and, or you have some kind of a subsidy. So you're getting a subsidy by the government in some form or shape. But for lot clearing, I mean, you you want the water. The city absolutely has to have the water drain to the storm drain. So how do you clear a property uh, that is typically need, needs fill? Because most of the properties that you're developing now, um, the water's draining into them rather than the other way around. Um, oh. So you, you pretty much have to clear it. And then who's going to pay for the trees? Well, do you think I'm going to pay for the trees? I'm just going to pass it on to the homeowner, right? It's just going to increase the cost of my house. Huh. Oh, it's going to happen. So oh. yeah, I don't know how you have affordability. This doesn't, Cameron is exactly right. This doesn't help the affordability cost. It just makes it worse. It makes your house more expensive. Huh. So, that's that's interesting. I, I'm 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 glad that you gentlemen shared that. So, um, Chris, from your end, see, like from the sewer um, and wastewater and and water, is lot clearing is that an essential part of of making a lot that doesn't have? I I mean, what's what would the word be like swamp on it? Uh, well, a lot of the trees here in in northern BC don't forget are tall, so you 
take out 90% of the trees, you leave a few, they're going to fall over. The trees have to come out. They're, unless it's a small spruce or something, you can leave in the corner. But, yeah, developing these lots now, they require, and they've been bit before. So, so what's the problem with having a lot that accepts drainage into it? And, and like, why does it need to drain into this into the sewer uh, wastewater system? Again, uh, neighbors have been flooded out from other neighbors oh. over the past years. And so the city's been burnt. So now, instead of being burnt again, they make these rules so they protect themselves to make sure the water is collected on each individual lot. I see. Okay. that That's interesting. So what about, um, I know, like, I mean, how are we doing in terms of storm? Like, is that called stormwater management? Is that what it would be called? Uh, yeah, stormwater. Or is that a different thing? And part of the city, they don't really have um, a budget for stormwater to collect. Um, they are coming out now with uh, a training degree, a certificate that's stormwater related. And stormwater, that's the drains that we see in the roads, right? That's in the roads. And okay, and, yeah. And a lot of the new ones, like... Oh, they're Great West, these big industrial ones, we have to build a retention pond to hold the water because it's not just the water's the problem, it's all the sand and salt that's in the water. Yeah. And that's the problem that we're having there on Winnipeg there, um, over over the bridge there. We have a six-foot diameter culvert there full of sand, and that's why the the pavement keeps heaving because the city hasn't cleaned that storm line. And again, they can't clean it because it's full of hydrocarbons, it's a hazardous material. So <laughs> what the managers told me, again, and this just eats my soul, is as long as it holds together till they retire, they don't care. Hmm. And that's a common problem I get from the city, that these projects have to be fixed. You just can't put your head in the sand. And that storm line, it goes right to Carrie Jane Gray Park, needs to be cleaned. Hmm. And again, so probably three, four times now, that intersection has been rebuilt because of flooding, but for whatever reasons, they're not fixing the problems. Okay. All right. Well, it's time for another break, and we'll be back with our last segment after this. With the recent release of Oceana, Canada's fishing audit, OceanWise is busily working to incorporate the findings into their seafood recommendations. By working with the open access data capture in the fishery audit, OceanWise hopes to promote change in Canadian fisheries and shine a light on sustainable Canadian seafood products. Find out more on this important initiative on the OceanWise blog page through the Learn and Explore link at ocean.org. Your Prince George Public Library is seeking nominations for the 2023 Gene Clark Local History Awards. There are two categories, the Service Award and the Publication Award. Nomination letters must clearly identify the nominee, the category they're nominated in, and make a compelling case for why the service or publication is deserving. Nominations can be emailed to jrubido at pgpl.ca or dropped off at the downtown branch of the library. The nomination deadline for the 2023 Gene Clark Awards is Monday. Drop-in hockey for ages 16 and older is available Tuesdays and Thursdays from noon to 1.30 in Kin 2. Scheduled dates, drop-in fees, and other details are available through the North Edge Ice Sports website at thenorthedge.co. Goalies play for free. Drop-in hockey is a partnered presentation of the North Edge Ice Sports and the City of Prince George, Tuesdays and Thursdays from noon to 1.30 through the end of March in Kin 2. 
Cold Snap is back with all live concerts, kicking off with a Celtic party on January 27th and wrapping up with a special birthday bash on February 4th. There's more than a week of great artists from across Canada scheduled for every musical taste. Don't miss the popular Cold Snap for Kids January 29th at the Playhouse and the local talent showcases January 31st and February 1st at the Legion. Tickets for all Cold Snap Music Festival concerts are available online at coldsnapfestival.com. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back talking with uh, Chris Stern, Bruce Kidd, and Cameron Stoltz. Um, let's finish our last segment off talking about, uh, we, we touched on growing, the need to grow our tax base so that we can actually keep our taxes a little bit more reasonable, and as well as you know maintain our city and all these services that we provide and want and need. Um, so how do we attract business? Um, we, I know we've heard a lot about, you know, that we to end up scaring them away. So, Bruce, from your perspective, what do you think? Well, I think uh, the biggest thing with attracting uh, a business is to have places where the businesses can go and uh, where the businesses can thrive, right? And I think that's been a lot of uh, the problem is that there's just, you talk to any, a lot of businesses that are looking for locations, you'll find that they're, they're struggling to find a location for a business. And if that's a local business looking for a location, can you imagine what it's like for a business that's not local, like a franchise or whatever, looking for a place to go? Um, there just there isn't any. We, we haven't had a lot of commercial development besides the Walmart corridor, and all of that's full, right? So um, I think we need, we need more areas for those businesses to go to. So what about uh, the Boundary Road area? So the Boundary Road area is, is great for warehousing, are commercial, and there is a number of projects that are getting built there. You're just starting to see some of them come come now because they've just finally worked their way through city, um, which gives you a good idea how long it takes. So that that corridor has probably been there for three or four years, and you're just starting to see um, you know shovels in the ground now, like with Great West, and you're seeing a, another one a little further up. I drove through there yesterday. Um, some of the problem there has been some of that land has uh, changed ownership. Um, you know, it went from from uh, you know uh, the, the the couple that owned it, uh, um, the uh, rentals to now it's owned by a trust, and so some of that has changed uh, some of the purpose of that land, and it's, and it's a little bit harder to harder to sell out of there. So I think that's some of the problem there. But that that's great for warehousing, but it doesn't help any retail business. So if you're looking at retail businesses, where are those going to go? Um, if you're looking at heavy industrial, where are those going to go? Um, so we've covered some of them, some of the. Um, Warehousing, uh, um, you know, M two type uh, businesses that yeah can go up there, but then again, there's no housing up there. So, um, so what's going to happen there? So now those all those people have to drive from Boundary Road to where you know College Heights or wherever else. So I mean, we have to put a little bit of thought process in our in our areas. Okay, all right, uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, how can the city become more friendly and more attract more businesses so that we can grow? Um, these large box places that come, they need to be given a date and a timeline. So rather than taking two years for their development permit, like they'll just walk away, say, okay, you want to build here, we can have you up and running in six months. Give them a guaranteed date, time, and make it happen. There's no reason the staff here can't buckle down, especially for these big tax places that can really uh, affect the city um accounts for money is get them in get it happening like bend over just make it happen don't make it difficult for them you know tell them 
these are the rules that you have to do, whether you need a settling pond, like for uh, storm now is a lot of it. Make it aware and, and get it done because there's no reason, like say, sitting on uh, a home application or building permit, like when I was there holding it back, there's issues that we actually should peel open that department and see what's wrong. Okay. All right. Well, Cameron, what do you think? So I think Bruce has hit the nail on the head for another area where we could definitely uh, expand our tax base, Trudy, and that is um, expanding our retail and commercial space inside of these new subdivisions that are being built. If you look at all the new work that's being done on the on the Fraser Benchlands, uh, that's just below Malaspina, uh, that's being done there. Um, hundreds of new homes put in, new multifamily put in at the very bottom of that road. And nowhere in there is there a single retail section. There's not even a spot for a mum and pop store with you know the where you know the old ones you see with the little corner store and the uh, okay, families live wait, above wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying that in all of that retail development, in, in all of that no, residential residential, there's no spot, no commercial spots according to the OCP. Huh? No. So, so you've got all this multifamily going in, and they talk. And this is one of the things I laugh about. And and I'll, I'll throw this out there to, for for Bruce because he's on the line and part of the conversation. But but I laugh because they shut down the city shut down, saying no, you can't build multifamily at the end of Foothills and Chief Lake Road uh, because there's no transit there. Yet, if you measure the distance from there to the Hart Mall, where there is a transit hub or the closest bus stop. But then you look at how far you have to travel from anywhere on the Fraser Benchland to get up to Malaspina to a bus. Good luck. And in through that entire section. So we're, we're talking a section that has about 30,000 people living in it, and there's no retail set strips at all. So, I mean, so that flies against all of the stuff that we are slowly sort of in, in Canada here trying to figure out about walkability, about desert, urban deserts, all of that stuff. So they keep pointing, in the case of the College Heights area, they point to the uh, massive shopping mall at, at uh, Walmart and say, well, there's your retail. You don't need any more. You don't need any more commercial space. But if you're a small business owner or you're a mom and pop trying to stop, start a business or a hair salon or a nail place or, you know, fill in the blank of what those small retail opportunities are, we're missing opportunities for additional commercial land being developed. And again, that's nice high tax base or tax paying uh, property. Hmm. Um, that's how you expand your tax base. Wow. So, I mean, so, I mean, looking forward then, maybe I'll give you guys all a crack at the, the OCP planning that is going to be, or the OCP review. Um, maybe Cameron, we'll start with you. What would be your wish for, for council to, um, and staff to most strongly consider? Um, so we've got like two minutes left. So what would be your, so for each of you? So, so I mean, we have a total of two minutes. So what would be your quick uh, take on what the city and or the staff and council have to look at for the OCP? The OCP is seriously broken, does not reflect the realities of Prince George, and is focused around people who have graduated uh, from UBC and look at things from a Victorian Vancouver perspective. Okay, Chris? They need to simplify it, uh, take some of the the hard stuff out of it. Um, I, I, again, I know there's a problem with individual lots flowing. They have all these little rules that can be made simpler, but the, the rules are there. The thing is to do is make it faster. Okay. Like we, we have to speed up development. Development. Yeah, Bruce, what do you think? What what should we be looking at when we look at the OCP? 
more multifamily, more suites, more secondary suites, more mixed-use developments. You look at all these strip malls that have commercial, there's no reason why they have the same zoning. C2 zoning allows apartments to be Okay, so, uh, so C2, C2 zoning allows for multifamily as well. C2 zoning allows for multifamily, yeah. Yeah, it does. It allows four floors of apartments above uh, commercial, right? So a lot of these strip malls are C2 zoning. You should be encouraging those owners to incorporate uh, new apartments above above the strip malls. All right. Well, thank you so very much, uh, gentlemen. Thank you, Bruce, for phoning in, and Cameron and, and Chris. Thank you very much for coming in. This has been very informative for me. Thank you. Thank you, Trudy. All right. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is Community Radio 93.1 CFISFM, proudly supported by Prince George businesses like Kopar Administration.